This episode is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T. What's Element? Element is the product that came into my life at exactly the right moment. I've been training hard. I've been sweating like a maniac. But unfortunately, after my sessions, I could never kick that feeling of dehydration. It didn't matter how much water I drank. In fact, the more water I drank, the worse it got. My body was telling me, you need more. You need electrolytes. But I refused to go and buy some sugary sports drink and put that garbage into my body. Enter Element. What's Element? It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix. That's right. I said tasty. They have seven different flavors. My personal favorite is mango chili. But most importantly, it's got no sugar. It's got no gluten. It's got no garbage. There's got no guilt. Take it. You'll feel better. You won't feel like a bum after you drink it. You won't feel any guilt after taking it. To get your element today, go to drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Again, that's drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Get yours today. Welcome to the episode of the Mahoney Advanced Training Podcast. Once again, I'm going to give you tips and tricks to make you more efficient and effective in the weight room, the boardroom, and on a football field. And, and we're going to do a recap of what happened at this weekend's Tag Team Challenge. Now, for the format of our tips and tricks, I'm going to make it a little different this week. What I'm going to do is all of these tips and tricks are going to be dedicated to sleep. And as you know from episode number 39 in our Advanced Training Podcast, sleep is one of the precursors to make you better at every single thing you do. So yeah, if this thing's only about sleep, it is going to make you more efficient and effective in the weight room, the boardroom, and the football field. And to, to, I guess to put on top of that, all these tips from sleep come from Dr. Andrew Huberman. So if you haven't listened to his podcast, it's called Huberman Lab, do it. But I would recommend for you, don't do it while you're driving in a car. Don't do it while you're working out because this guy gets so in-depth in a brilliant way. He does simplify things. But to me, it was so deep that I had to sit there with a pen and a pad and take notes. Now, what I'm doing for you now is this is from his first five podcasts, episodes one through five. I'm going to break down for you the tips and the techniques that he used to help improve your sleep and your sleep cycles. Okay, so tip number one. Tip number one, when you wake up in the morning, what you want to do as soon as possible is get outside and get sunlight into your eyes. If you remember from previous tips and tricks that I've given, a great productivity tip is when you wake up, you want movement, water, and sunlight, right? So you get up, go uh, drink a couple glasses of water, and then get the movement in the sunlight by walking outside. So you want to get sunlight into your eyes. I'm not saying go stare directly into the sun and blind yourself. I'm saying go for a walk outside while the sun is beginning to rise. And what this does, when that sunlight gets into your eyes, what it does is it triggers cortisol. And then that cortisol is triggered and it gets you alert and it gets you started for the day. And also, it's also setting a timer Like from the time you get that sunlight in your eyes, now the clock starts and a timer starts as to when melatonin is going to be released. And you know that melatonin is what you're going to need to go to sleep later on that night. So there's like a 12 to 16 hour window. I think he had said a 12 to 16 hour window. So I get the cortisol in my eyes, boom, the clock starts. And then about 16 hours after that, that's when the melatonin is going to come in and that's going to help me get to sleep that night. So think about this. The sunlight is not only going to help you get alert and prepared for the day. It's also going to set you up so that now you heard of this, your circadian rhythm, your circadian rhythm is going to help you release that melatonin so you can actually get to bed at night. So people have talked a lot about the circadian rhythm, but you can screw it up by not getting sunlight in your eyes at the right time and getting your day started with sunlight in your eye at the right time is going to help you get in lockstep with the right timing of the circadian rhythm. A bonus tip within that first tip is at the end of the day, when the sun is beginning to set, uh, 
yeah, yeah, the sun is beginning to set, you also want to take a look into that horizon, and that's going to help you get ready to go back to sleep. All right, so just sunlight up in the morning helps you wake up. It sets that trigger and that cycle for when you're going to start the clock for melatonin. And at the end of the day, at night, go look into the horizon, and that's going to help you get ready to get to bed at night. Okay, tip number two. Tip number two, breathing. Yeah, if you remember from the Mahoney uh, Secrets of Strength, breathing was the bottom part of the foundation. It was like the base. It was the rock that we built everything up on. And then the next one up was going to be sleep. So it was breathing, then sleep. Well, for us, what he's talking oh, sorry, for Uberman, what he's talking about with, with breathing is that you can control your body. Sorry, you can control your mind with your body. Meaning you wake up in the middle of the night, right? I, my head's racing, had a bad dream, whatever it is. Don't go looking at Instagram. Don't go doing stupid things that I've done and still continue to do. What you really want to do is just work on breathing, nasal breathing, diaphragmatic breathing to calm yourself down. And you can actually use your body, your breathing, to control your mind. And then that controlling your mind is going to help you settle down and get right back to sleep. All right? Because as it's a phrase we've used before, it is easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. So if, you, if you're in bed and you're freaking out, I got all this stuff to do tomorrow. I just had a bad dream. I'm never getting back to sleep. Look, take a couple of deep breaths, maybe 20 deep breaths, maybe 100 deep breaths, whatever it takes, this uh, non-sleep deep rest. But that will control your mind and then allow you to get back to sleep. Okay, tip number three. The length of sleep matters, right? So it's uh, we talked about getting light in your eyes. We talked about actually getting back to sleep, but it's also that the length of sleep matters. So the longer you sleep, you're going to get more REM sleep, and that's going to help you dream, right? When you get more REM sleep, that's going to help you dream, and the more dreams you have, it's going to help you deal with stress better in real life. So you need that longer sleep to help you dream and then deal with more stressful situations in your life. But also, in the earlier parts of the sleep cycle, I believe it's called a low-wave sleep cycle, that's going to help with your motor learning and with your detailed learning. So what that means is that's why I, I like to say that little mini naps are good. Uh, when I read a book on vacation, then I take a little rest, and then I do my take a little nap right after. That's when I learn the most. So you need both the low-wave sleep, right, those early sleep cycles, and the long sleep to combine for both motor learning, right? You get better at stuff while you're sleeping. It is connecting the dots while you are sleeping, and then also the longer-range sleep so you can deal with stress later on at night. So back to the uh, – the motor learning, just, you know, if you have a problem, people say sleep on it, that's where it comes from. When you go to sleep and you sleep on it, your brain connects the dots and you're able to solve problems both physically, sorry, physically and mentally while you are asleep. So let's go to uh, the next tip, a great way not to sleep. And I, I like this. So, so there's a million different reasons that can you could probably not get to sleep. But Dr. Huberman said that the best way not to go to sleep is to drink a ton of water before you go to bed. Why? Well, people might say, duh, right? But I'll, I'll give the why. And his why, he said, basically, having to pee or having to urinate, if you want to use the scientific term, is one of the most stressful things that will keep you awake at night more than anything else, more than your worry list, more than pain, more than anything. It's just that fear of, oh my God, I have to go to the bathroom. That will actually have you freaking out more than anything. So my recommendation to you is if you're sitting in bed and you're thinking, man, I I got to get to sleep. I need my eight hours. I feel like I got to pee. Is If you feel like you have to pee, just get up and go pee. Otherwise, you're going to be thinking about it for the rest of the night and not sleep anyway. But give yourself some sort of a window where you're not going to be getting up in the middle of the night five times a night to go pee, especially if you're trying to stay uh, super hydrated and you're an athlete. Give yourself a window 
I don't know, 6 o'clock at night, 6.30 at night, where you stop drinking tons of water or any water at that point. Okay, the next tip. The next tip is, uh, here it is, jet lag. So how do you combat jet lag? And he, he goes through a lot, but I'm just going to go through two things that really struck my mind in the conversation. Maybe it's just one thing because I've traveled internationally uh, going both east and then I've traveled across the country going west. So I've traveled to places like Ireland and England, and I've always felt rock, like completely and totally rocked. I just couldn't get myself on a schedule. Like, and by the time I get myself to their schedule, it was time to come home. But if I go to Vegas or California, no problems. And what he said, and it's pretty brilliant and simple at the same time, he said it is much easier to travel to the west than it is to travel to the east. And the why is because it's a lot easier to fight through and stay up later at night than it is to to go to bed earlier to match up with the time. So for example, for those of you that have gone to Vegas, you know, it could be, uh, I don't know, you get there, you land, and now it's like 4 p.m. your time, 1 p.m., 4 p.m. Eastern time from New York, and it's 1 p.m. their time, and you think, all right, it's 4 p.m., whatever. Now you're going out at night, you're going to a club. It's, it's let's say it's 2 p.m. Vegas time, but it's 5 a.m. New York time. Who cares? You're still up, and it's not only because you're in Vegas and they're pumping oxygen into the casino. It's because you're able to power through to stay up later. On the flip side, on the flip side, if you go to, I don't know, Ireland and say they're six hours ahead or seven hours ahead, Whatever it is, you can't make yourself fall asleep seven hours earlier. It's just so much harder to do. So having said that, it is easier to travel to the west than it is to travel to the east. And some of his tips are to really try to get yourself on the local eating schedule, right? If you're there, try and eat at the same times that they're eating. So if you land and you've already had breakfast on the plane, too bad. Uh, go and eat again. Eat breakfast when you go land. If it's, if it's local time, breakfast time, and then really try to sleep when it's dark and be awake when it is light. Okay, the last tip that Uberman gave, and this is uh, for, we got a bunch of guys who train with us that do work shift work. And I've talked about it on my podcast that it's really rough to work shift, especially if it makes you sleep during the day or if you can't get into a steady sleep cycle. But one recommendation that he had, which I don't know how possible this is, but he said that the, the, the best way to combat this is to get yourself on a 14-day shift, meaning I'm not saying work 14 days in a row, but keep the same work cycle and sleep cycle for 14 days. Maybe there's three days on and four days off, but during that period, that 14-day period, say it's three days on, four days off, four days on, three days off, right? That's for shift workers. Maybe they do that. Try and keep those three days on and the four days on during that 14-day period at the same shift schedule. And again, <laughs> If, it's, if you're coming home, if you can, try and keep your – get exposure to the sun when it's light out and try and get to bed when it's dark out. Those are, those are the, the simplest tics, tips. He goes into it more than I did, but those are the simplest tips to help improve your sleep. It's not easy for shift workers, but again, if you want to listen to uh, his podcast, it's episodes one through five. Episodes one through five where he goes into a lot more and better detail than I just did. If you're getting anything out of this, if you're getting anything out of this is that sleep – it is more important than, aside from breathing, in my opinion, it is more important than what you do in the gym. It's more important than what you eat because if you sleep right, it's going to set you up to eat better. It's going to set you up to train better. It's going to set you up to be better at every single thing you do. So if you're focusing more on your training and you're giving up sleep for your training or if you're focusing uh, you know, on just, just your nutrition and you're giving up your sleep for nutrition, you're going in the wrong direction.
Don't give up. Sleep should be the not one non-negotiable thing that you are not giving up because that is going to be the precursor to you for you to get better at every single thing you're doing. Okay, those were the tips and trips, tricks on sleep. Again, I am not stealing Uberman stuff. I'm telling you, go listen to his podcast, episodes one through five. Now, let's get to this weekend's Tag Team Challenge. So where are we at? We were in the last week of the Tag Team Challenge. And for people that don't know, the way this works is for 17 weeks, we have these three groups of teams that have somewhere between uh, five and seven guys, and they've been competing in those 17 weeks. And when their team wins, they get three points. And when their team loses, they get no points. But when a team loses, then you pick head-to-head people from the losing teams, and they compete in a challenge, and the one winner gets three points, and the one loser gets one point. And then we take all of those points and add them up throughout the year, and the top 12 guys in the program, they get to go into an NCAA-style, I don't know, March Madness playoff bracket to see who is going to be our challenge champion. So last week, sorry, yesterday, was the final week of the season. And going into the final week, oh, let me say this. So we have, what do we have? 18 guys in the program. Only 12 get to make the playoffs. So we don't, this is not a, everybody gets a trophy at advanced training. Now there are 18 guys, only 12 get the playoffs. And as we're going into this 17th week, we had seven people, sorry, nine people fighting for the last five spots, which is insane. We've been going at this for 17 weeks. We still didn't have everything figured out by the last week. So we're going in, we have nine people fighting for the last five spots. And we, we did this, you know, I'm a data analytics guy, so we, we had tried to map this out as best as possible before we went. Like, meaning, this guy wins and he's in. This guy wins and he's in. If this guy wins, he needs, uh, he needs help. He needs this other guy to not show up. He needs somebody else to quit. He needs all these other things to happen. He needs this guy to lose for him to get in, and then he can get in. So we mapped out all those mathematical combinations. And to be fair, <laughs> if any team won... But the team that did win, I would have been spending about uh, six hours on Saturday trying to do the math and figure out which guys either got in or I was going to have to host some like six-way head-to-head competition to even see who would be that 12th seed would be. Having said that, the team that won made it easy because when that one team won, it put one guy into that 12th spot and kicked everybody else out of the running. So everybody else that even had a fighting chance to think they were in, sorry, you're out, and now we have our top 12. So what was the tag team challenge? Well, this tag team challenge was the brainchild of Mark Strange. So Mark Strange said, hey, it would be pretty cool if we made a challenge where every event was something we do on our PowerPoints, and each team picks one guy. Whatever guy wins that event, that team gets a point. And whatever team gets the most points, they win the event. So, pretty cool. I like the idea, Mark Strange. We're going to go with it. Uh, That's why it's a beautiful thing to have such smart guys in the program. So, the first event was a 20-second Prowler shuttle. So, the Prowler shuttle is just 10 yards there and back. And you just keep going as as far as you can in 20 seconds. Whoever gets the most yardage wins. So, three teams go. Uh, Each team, sorry, every team's going to go. Every team selects one guy. And I'm just going to say it right now. I kind of, maybe sort of screwed over Brian Weinchop, a.k.a. the future. So before he went, and he had gotten gigged on a previous challenge because he threw the prowler past the line and then ran to the next cone, and I had to give him a two-second penalty. And then because of that two-second penalty, we had to have a rematch against another tag team. So I said to to Weintraub, what I meant to say was, make sure you get the full prowler through the line because other guys have been gigged on the PowerPoint challenge for not getting the full prowler through the line. 
What I accidentally said to him was, was you got to be touching the prowler as it goes through the line. Then, and I, I'm now, in hindsight, after he said something to me, I realized he didn't hear me. When he was getting to the line, I said, just make sure you get the full prowler through. But I, I did a very bad job of correcting the what I said. Because what I, in, in this challenge, you actually don't have to touch the prowler as it crosses the line. You could push it, run around to the other side of it, catch it, go, and just keep pushing. It's up to you. Whatever method you think works best. Having said that, for me, I am not a big fan in this specific PowerPoint challenge of pushing it and running up and catching it because it goes too far. I like to push it, touch it, stop it, and turn around. Push it, touch it, stop it, turn around, right? Or push it, give it a slight nudge, and then come around it. So it's any style you want, but I did a really bad job of explaining it to Brian Weintraub. Having said that, Weintraub rocks the event and gets 40 yards. Armado rocks the event. He gets 40 yards, and he probably would have gotten, I don't know, 43, 44. But on the last leg of his turn, he falls down. The prowler slants. like It does like a 90-degree a turn. I wish it would have even done a 180. Maybe he would have had a shot to push the other side of the, the prowler. But it does a 90-degree turn, and he falls down on the floor, and uh, it's about four seconds that he's on the ground trying to get back up and reorient the prowler, and that's it. He's stuck at 40 yards. And then, and this is not even in this order, but the winner of this challenge is Pete Baraji, who is also currently the leader of all the events training with prowler pushes on the prowler shuttle, and he gets 44 yards. So, just to recap, Armado probably would have got around 44 if he didn't fall. Weintraub, it's questionable because he's, he's a dude. I don't know if his technique hurt him or helped him. It'd be interesting to see if he went again. But he might have got 44 had he used the technique he wanted to, and I didn't screw him up, and then Barashi got 44. But either way, uh, I am unfair to all people at advanced training, and the team that gets the first win is the Junkyard Dogs. Okay, so now we're one, one challenge done, one point for the Junkyard Dogs. We go to the second challenge. It is a reverse overhead med ball throw. And the, the, we have three guys go, Joe Daradita, Mark Strange, and Billy Hesdra. And Joe Daradita wins this event, event with a 15-yard medicine ball throw, which is also exactly what he's tested out before at on this. So it was uh, pretty interesting. A lot of these guys, when they did their tests, they actually hit their max numbers, which I think is impressive because the workout before this, it was brutal. I'll say that again. It was brutal. So guys may have not fully recovered from the workout. Anyway, Daradita gets 15 yards. His team wins, and they are the team with no name. So now we got one win for the Junkyard Dogs, one win for the team with no name, and zero wins. That's right, zero wins for the Unreliables. Then we go to the next challenge. By the way, the Unreliables is a Weintraub and Hezra's team. We go to the next challenge. It's the first time we did this challenge all year. It is a seated sled pull. So you take one of those sleds, you load up 230 pounds on it. You load up a 20-pound chain to the end of that sled, and the guy sits on a bucket. On my go, he picks up that chain, and he's going to pull that sled to him as far as he can. He's only got 10 seconds. When that 10 seconds is done, I calculate how far the sled moved, and that's how many yards you get. So we got three guys going. We got Sean Mulligan, we got Tommy Yerchek, and we got uh, Nick Carroll. All these guys have proven themselves to be great at this sled pull. Now, here's the catch. You cannot pick up the chain until I say go. So I'll give you a three, two, one, go. And to a man, every one of these guys tried to beat me to the clock, and they think they're beating me, but they're not because I'm looking at them. So I'm saying three, two, one, go. Even if I'm on two and they start to touch the chain, I'm starting the clock. So there's always controversy. There's naysayers. The peanut gallery's got things to say. Coach Mahoney's not fair. Uh, 
Maybe I'm not fair, but I'm consistent. Well, I guess I am fair. More than anything, I'm fair. Maybe I'm not perfect with I'm timing, but I am equally unfair to everybody. So having said that, there were some questions of, did uh, Carol pick up the chain early? Did, uh, did your check pick up the chain early? I don't know. Because they, not, not to my, my clock. Actually, I do know because I started as soon as their skin of their hand touched that chain, I started that clock. Needless to say, these guys all did extremely well because this is super heavy weight. It is 230 pounds on a sled 20, with a 20-yard chain attached to it. That chain is super heavy. And, oh, by the way, we just did a brutal workout that involved sled pulls in it. So Mulligan gets 12 yards. Yurchek gets 12 yards. And Carroll, he gets 11.5 yards. Now, Carroll belongs to the unreliables. Now, they have zero points. And then we have Mulligan, who belongs to the team with no name, and Yurchek belongs to the Junkyard Dog. So I said in a tie, both teams get a win. So now both of those teams have two wins, and the, uh, the Unreliables have no wins. Now the Unreliables, they only have four guys. So they're basically uh, they're eliminated at this point. Even they, they can only have one guy. You can only have one guy on each event. You can't have a guy do two events, and there's five events. So this is a big day to get five guys there. And they only have four guys. They're, they're called the Unreliables for a reason. So they can't compete compete in at least one of the last two events so they're, they're gonna lose no matter what but having said that we still let them compete in the next event which is the slider event and the slider event is you're gonna slider for 10 seconds as many yards as you can go so they bring up a galley they bring up that's that's the junkyard dogs team then cortese goes from the unreliables and then we have wallen who goes from the uh the team with no name now these guys they all did really well and they all did really well considering we did about 200 yards of sliders in our workout. Again, it was brutal. So the fact that Tom Galley gets 26 yards, Cortese gets 24 yards, and Wallen gets 21 yards after doing 200 yards of sliders in the workout before that is completely and totally amazing. So these guys killed it. But having said that, Galley is part of the Junkyard Dogs, and now they get their third win. So the Junkyard Dogs have three wins. The team with no name has two wins, and the Unreliables, they're officially eliminated. They have zero wins. So we're going into the last event. The only thing that can happen here, right? We have two teams that are in the event. The Unreliables don't have anybody that's even allowed in the event because they don't have five guys. So we have Joe Marechko, and we have Billy Blanco as the t- last two people there that can actually compete. And Joe Marechko, <coughs> he, this, so what the competition is, is it is a 175 pounds on a farmer's walk. And you're going to walk as far as you can before dropping that farmer's walk. Whoever walks the furthest wins. Joe Moresco, before this, he was the champ. He's the number one guy in all of this. He had about 56 yards, something like that. He goes first, and he gets 69 yards. <coughs> Sorry for the coughing. Billy Blanco goes, and he had gotten about 33 yards the first time he ever did it. He was the number two dog in this fight going in. Number two seed. And I, this is me speaking. I don't know if this is the truth or not, but he was wearing gloves and he drops it at 11 yards. So he lost 22 yards off of the same weight he carried 33 yards a few short weeks ago. So I don't know what happened. I would say my guess is it was probably the gloves. But I would also say you never know, right? Like the guy you go before, he might have moisture on his hands. And maybe he got it a little wet. I don't know. Although I do think somebody dried it off. I think Armado dried off the farmer's walk before Blanco went to go do it. Either way, now the Junkyard Dogs, they win. They have four points team with no name has two points and that's it it's over that team wins so everybody on the junkyard dog gets a win no one else gets any points and now the the junkyard dogs really it doesn't matter based on how the points were set up there was a little bit of controversy after this but based on how the points were set up 
It didn't matter who was left without two losses. So again, the way this thing works is a tag team wins, they get all the points, they pick two guys to go head-to-head from the losing teams, and then they battle, and whoever wins gets three points, and whoever loses gets one point. And then after a guy loses twice, after you have two losses, you're no longer allowed in any more head-to-head battles. So we had three guys left that all had one loss. We had Cortese, we had Weintraub, and we had Mulligan. Actually, Mulligan had no losses. But it didn't matter which one of those guys went in because it would not have changed their points, right? Uh, just based on how the points was, it wouldn't, I'm sorry, it wouldn't have changed their seeding. So Cortese was already locked up at a five seed. Weintraub was already lined up at, locked up as a six seed. And Mulligan, what he needed to get into the playoffs was his team had to win. And then as a winner, he would have to use rule number 15 from Coach Mahoney as a winner, challenge one of the losers Right? He'd have to challenge like a wine trap or a Cortese, and if he beat them, so he'd have to win and then beat one of them, and that would allow him into the playoffs. Having said that, it didn't matter. Because the way the numbers ran up, it didn't matter. So just for anything, I said, hey, do any of you guys want to, winners, just to see what it's like, challenge Mulligan and just see, maybe challenge somebody else without a loss. I think we even forgot the other two guys had, uh, had one loss each. So if you, does anybody want to challenge anybody? And they, they said no, which was probably smart anyway, uh, because – at the time, I don't think anybody knew it didn't matter, possibly other than me. But in the moment, it might have been interesting to see uh, this Mulligan guy who came late into the program, but we're calling him Captain America, to see him go head-to-head with any of these other junkyard dogs. Remember last week, he took down uh, Baraji in that slider to Prowler around the circle challenge. This week, it would have been cool to see him to go against uh, Rechko, Yurchek, uh, Galley, any one of those guys in the top three seeds. They said no wisely. Maybe we'll, we'll live to see it another day. And now this, this Mulligan guy, he's got two things to live for post the playoffs. He's got PowerPoint challenges and a tough man, as with everybody else. So everybody who's now officially not in the playoffs. So we have 12 guys in the playoffs. Everybody else who's not in the playoffs is not over for you. You can compete in the tough man and win. You're also going to be competing every single week in some form of PowerPoint. So we're just going to keep competing and competing and competing. And if people are saying, well, what is the one thing? What's the one thing that advanced training brings to these guys' lives that they can't get anywhere else? In my mind, this is the one deliverable that I think I'm bringing to this group. Advanced training is bringing to this group. It's not me. It's, uh, it's, it's everybody. It's the culture. It's everyone who's in advanced training. It's the way we are. It's what we do. It's competition. It is competing. You might, you know, you, maybe you, you hung up your cleats from football and you're not playing officially anymore, but this is a level of competition, a healthy level of competition that can help these guys keep that edge throughout the rest of their life. So healthy competition for guys that did not make the playoffs. You will still have tough man. You will still have PowerPoints. But now let's get to the guys that do make the playoffs. So now there's 12 guys in the playoffs, and now we are getting ready to get into our postseason. So what I'm going to do is just quickly rattle off the seeds for people that uh, care enough to listen. So the number one seed is going to be Marechko. The number two seed is Galley. Number three, Baraji. Number four, Yurchik. Number five, Cortese. Number six, Weintraub. Number seven, Shalasi. Number eight, nine, 10, 11, and 12. They were all tied with 11 points. And what I did is I seeded them based on their attendance. So who came to the most workouts? So the 8th seed is Wallet, the ninth seed is Blanco, the 10th seed is Carroll, the 11th seed is Amorosi, and the 12th seed is Strange. So that are, those are the 12 guys that made it into the playoffs. There are 6 guys that trained with us, they didn't make it into the playoffs, 12 guys made it into, make it into the playoffs, and why do I do that? Because I want the top 4 guys to get a bye. So, 1, 2, 3, 4, Moresco, Galli, Baraji, 
your check. They get a buy in week one. That is the benefit of winning. Uh, what do they say? To the victor go the spoils. There you go. That's the benefit of winning. And now in this first, this next week coming up, we have four challenges. We have the eight seed versus the nine seed. That's Wallen versus Blanco. We have the five seed versus the 12 seed. It's Cortese versus Strange. We have the six seed versus the 11 seed. That's Weintraub versus Amorosi. And finally, we have the seven seed versus the 10 seed. That is Shalasi versus Carroll. There's a, a lot of sick matchups here. A lot of sick matchups. And uh, the hint that I gave them and the hint that I will give you is that the challenge is not going to be something we've done this year. So you don't have to go looking at challenges that we've done this year. And it's not going to give the small guy an advantage. And it's not going to give the big guy an advantage. And it's not going to give a smart guy the advantage. So there's no puzzles. So you, you can't go in saying, oh, this is going to be a 20-yard sprint. Or it's just going to be a 10-yard slider, right? No, it's, it's, it's not, that is not going to be the case. I'll even give uh, one more hint. It's going to involve three legs of an event, right? So the one event is going to have three legs in it. So... One thing may favor the, the skinny guy, one thing may favor the big guy, and then one thing may favor somebody in between. With that, I wish you a great weekend, and uh, I am super pumped for these playoffs. We are off next week for Memorial Day. Oh, let me just say one other thing, one other very critical thing. We, at the end of our session, we breathe, we meditate, we'll, we'll say something we're grateful for in our minds, but this time when we're done, we finished, and uh, Billy Blanco said, hey, it's Memorial Day weekend next weekend, we're not training next weekend. Why don't we go around a circle and everybody says one thing, one thing that they are grateful for or proud of for this country. So Blanco, that was a great idea. We did it. It was great. Uh, it, it is good to observe what you are grateful for in this great country that we live in. So uh, Blanco, great idea. I loved it. And uh, it's something that I, that's why we love having you in the program, man, because you bring another intangible. And again, that's what I'm saying. It's not, this is not me. Advanced trading is us. It's a collective group of guys. It's a collective, uh, I don't know, it's a collective environment. I was going to call it like a biosphere, but I can't think of a better word right now. But it's just – it's it's an ecosystem. That's what I was thinking about. It's a collective ecosystem where everyone is contributing with their own identity and making this thing exactly what it is. So Blanco, I love you. Awesome idea. We are off next week, so there will not be a recap. So enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Thank you. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Zero Shoes, a company that is perfectly named. Why? Because when you're wearing their shoes, you feel like you're walking around completely and totally barefoot. A.K.A. like you're not wearing any shoes. A.K.A. like you are wearing zero shoes. Now, we've all heard the benefits of barefoot training, but who wants to walk into a gym without any shoes on your feet? First of all, it's gross, and second of all, it's disgusting. Now, the other benefits of zero shoes is not only are they functional, but they're also fashionable. So you've seen many a time people walk in the gym with these minimalist shoes and they look like a freak. Not with zero shoes. You're going to blend right in. Also, they have a wide toe box so that your toes are not all scrunched together in the front like they normally are with any standard training sneaker or cleat. Now, to get your shoes, go to zeroshoes.com slash go slash Mahoney AT. Again, that's zeroshoes.com slash go slash Mahoney AT. And that zero is spelt with an X. It is X-E-R-O. Again, I'll say it again. It's X-E-R-O. Get your zero shoes today.